Good morning to everybody. It is great to be here today and to see everybody here gathered together to worship God. We're so thankful that we have this opportunity and this ability to do so, the freedom to do so, and we need to never take that for granted because it's not that way everywhere in the world. I was handed just a quick uh, announcement here. There will be a baby shower for Megan Smale on Saturday, August 26th. That's next Saturday, or this coming Saturday at 11 a.m. Ladies only. So guys, no sneaking in. Address and registration info are, info are in the bulletin and on the foyer bulletin board. So keep that in mind. And this is Ben and Megan's first baby, so it's special time for them. Special time. Do want to, uh, you know, just echo what North said uh, about the contribution next week. Whatever is above our regular uh, contribution, which we need for the regular expenses and outreach, we want to send extra to the church in Maui. Uh, there is a congregation there. I saw a picture posted that they had put up kind of a quick sign in front of their building. Looked like it was maybe stuck into the dirt or maybe supported up some way. And they had in there, we have water, we have, you know, they listed a few things. And then they said, this is a safe place for the people who were victims and had lost their homes due to the wildfires in, in Maui. So. We want to we want to help out. There are brothers and sisters in Christ, and they can they can reach out and help people who are not members of the Lord's Church, and in that way be that shining light and influence them perhaps to come to God through Jesus Christ and become Christians themselves. So, think about that, pray about that, and let's prepare for that. I want to talk about appreciate Damon. I I just give him titles, and he he comes up with graphics, and they are great graphics. And so there we see a light bulb. But now, we know what a light bulb is for. It's to, it's to illuminate the area in which we are. Then we'll turn it on with one kind of a switch or another. In some cases, it might be just a tap of a, of a, of a, a base of a lamp that you know, is fashioned such, engineered such, that just touching the base, the light will come on. Sometimes we can, we can cause that bulb, if it's more than just a one-way bulb, we can cause it to become brighter and then maybe brighter one more time by continuing to flip the switch. But I want us to think this evening, or this morning, I want us to think about being in a particular setting that is eerily and foreboding just in appearance. We've never been there before. We find ourselves in that, that particular setting. Now, it might be, if you've ever toured a cave, it might be that, and you're going into the inner recesses of the cave on the tour, the guide is leading you. There are lights all along the way in that particular situation. But I think usually, somewhere along the line, as you get deeper into the cave, the tour guide will stop you and he'll start to tell you about how utterly dark it is in that cave if it were not for those lights. But now you're with a big group there. You're with the tour group. You've got, a tour, you've got a tour guide in front of you, leading you, telling you about the features of the cave, the history behind it and everything. But I want you to think beyond that. I want you to think about being someplace you've never been before and you're all by yourself. And it is closed in, just the appearance, just the setting, 
seems to be rather foreboding. There is no light coming in from outside. There are no windows. There's no skyline in the, in the, in the roof. And the only thing that gives you any comfort and a sense of direction is there is one small light in the ceiling and it's on one small light and that's it and that's the only thing that makes you feel somewhat secure but it is foreboding just in appearance and you're there and by its very nature that darkness everywhere except for that one small light is somewhat frightening. That's the only thing that gives you some sense of security and comfort. That one small light. The light dispels the darkness and so you feel a little bit okay. But suddenly that light goes out. There is no more light. Total darkness. You're not comfortable at all now. You're in a place you've never been. Utter darkness. How utterly dark now would that darkness be? That one little light gave you some comfort. It, it illuminated, gave you some illumination. You couldn't see just everywhere through it, but at least there was light there. But suddenly that light went out. How dark would be that darkness now? How emphatic would it be to your senses? No light whatsoever. Consider the personal application of this lesson that I want us to look at from Scripture. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 22, Jesus, during the Sermon on the Mount, as we call it, chapters 5, 6, and 7, so this would be somewhere just about in the middle. And during this particular sermon, as we understand it and we identify it, he's giving several different instructions covering different subjects in order, in sequence. And so he comes to this particular context of scripture. In verse 22, he says, the lamp of the body is the eye. Now, if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body would be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Probably every one of us have either known somebody who was at least partially blind, maybe totally blind, or we've seen somebody who is either partially or totally blind. North and I were in a restaurant just the other day, a restaurant we're familiar with, and I noticed an older lady was leading her husband, it looked like, at least she was walking in front of him. And as I noticed the specifics of the man behind him, he was walking along, his eyes were kind of squinched, and he was carrying a white cane, and he was kind of feeling his way along with that. We understand what that means. 
That white cane is a symbol of a person who is blind, or at least partially blind. Many of us have known about and, and heard speak Glenn uh, Langston, who is a gospel preacher who has done, I think we could say, monumental mission work in foreign countries over in Europe, a great deal of it in the nation of Ireland. He lives down in South Louisiana now, that's his base, but he still goes back to Ireland. He still crosses the country. He's in contact with gospel preachers in other lands, such as India, and his ministry is to the blind. And he understands that because as we who have seen him preach here two or three times, when he's reading the scriptures, he is running his fingers over the Braille scriptures because he is blind and has been blind almost from birth, almost literally from birth. I walked into his, his uh, hotel room one time when he was here to pick him up and it was almost dark. And, and so he asked me about a particular suit. How does this look? Is it wrinkled or whatever? I told him what I thought. I said something about, uh, it's a little hard to see in here. And he was caught a little by surprise. He said, oh, oh, sorry. I didn't notice. <laughs> He's a great guy, great gospel preacher, great mission, missionary, but he's blind. He understands the plight of people who are blind. What does Jesus mean by the lamp of the body is the eye? And what he says, if your eye therefore is good, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, well then what does that mean? What does that mean? It's important for us to understand what he's trying to get across there. And he's not really talking about physical blindness as the main point of the lesson, he's using that as an illustration, and we need to understand the application and make it properly and effectively in our own personal lives. And maybe be able to teach other people about this particular lesson as well. God has designed our eyes as organs that sense light. And in a nutshell, we call that vision. We see because of how God has designed these organs we call eyes. They're connected with the brain through different nerves and everything. They sense light and we can see as a result. If those nerves are clipped, we can't see out of that eye anymore. Or if they're both clipped, we can't see out of either one of them. God has, is the master designer. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18, Paul wrote, but now God has set the members, he's talking about the members of the body, the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And it wasn't a random kind of matter with God. He is the master designer. He put everything in place just as he wanted it to be and as he knew it would be beneficial to us, including the eyes. Now, we come back to Matthew chapter 6. Let's drop down to verse 19. Jesus went on then after he had talked about the eye being the lamp of the body, and if the eye is good, if your lamp is good, you, got, you can see, you've got light, your body is whole lit up, is all lit up because you can see. Without the eyes, we're in darkness. The lamp is out. And he says, how great is that darkness if the eyes don't work? 
And down in verse 19, he goes on and he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lesson that Jesus is primarily trying to get across here, using the physical eye in our human body as an illustration or a reference point, something we can relate to and understand. He's really talking about our spiritual eyesight. He's talking about spiritual double vision here. That's the basic subject of his, of, of his lesson in this particular part of this Sermon on the Mount. Now think about what Jesus is talking about in verses 19 and 21. Let, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. In other words, here everything is temporary and ultimately everything will pass from our possession that we might hold dear right now from a physical perspective. But he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. In other words, when we get to the heaven, when we enjoy that bliss, when we enjoy those eternal blessings and we could consider them treasures, when you read the Revelation account in the last few chapters, it talks about how the wall around heaven is studded with precious gems. He talks about the gates entering the city are made of, of spectacular pearl. He talks about the streets being laid in gold and a gold that we're not used to, transparent by nature. Those things will never pass away. They will never pass from our ability, our possession to live therein and enjoy them. So he says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where you're not going to lose them. Those things are not going to decay away. No thief is going to break in and steal them from you. And then the telling statement at the end of verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so this particular point that he's trying to make in this lesson following talking about the eye and how God designed it and being the lamp of the body and <clears throat> giving us light we can see and so on. Spiritual double vision is what he's really talking about. Two visions, <clears throat> two visions, two goals, two loves. So many people are caught up in loving things, in loving possessions, in loving money, in loving things in their, their, their 401k or their IRAs and, and, and all of that. That's where their main focus is in life. Jesus is saying, that's the wrong vision. He's talking about spiritual riches versus material treasure. And he says the material treasure is going to go away. But the spiritual wealth that God, the spiritual treasures, the spiritual riches that God offers us through Jesus Christ and eternally in heaven itself, he says that's going to be forever. You'll never lose that as long as you walk with God faithfully. Now, drop down to verse 24 in Matthew chapter 6. He makes another application there, or maybe another illustration, we might think. He says, but no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, the word mammon there is 
Syriac by nature, and it means riches or wealth. Once again, Jesus is talking about being torn between two visions, more spiritual double vision. And in this one, he gets more to the bottom line. And this spiritual double vision is whether we're walking with God or walking with the devil. And there's no in-between. There's no middle ground. The devil tempts us through worldly riches all the time. But God offers us the unparalleled spiritual treasure of eternal life with him in heaven. Passing through those golden gates, walking upon those, uh, those, those pearly gates and walking upon those golden streets. A place where there is no suffering, there is no pain, there is no sickness, there is no dying. A place of eternal blessing and life with him. How we need to understand. How we need to understand. We think in verse 23, backing up one verse in Matthew chapter 6. Remember what he said, if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Remember the illustration. You're in a place you've never been in before. There's four walls. There's no windows. There's no skyline in the roof. You don't even know where there's a light switch but you are comforted somewhat because there's one small light that is lit. It's shining, and that gives you some sense of comfort and security. But then that light suddenly, and you don't know why, goes out. How intense would that darkness be? I knew a fairly young man, and he worked a sales route with some other folks. I believe the two people who were only about four foot tall, little people, the man had two hooks for hands. They were Christians. I believe they had converted him to Christ along with one or two other co-workers over the years. And I remember the short man telling me the story about how one morning they got in their van to start to make calls, driving through a town, and this young man, who was normal size, he, he remarked, everything looks gray, it looks dull. And they listened to that. They said, something must be wrong. It's bright, shiny out. I imagine they had him pull over. And he was actually going blind at that particular moment in time. He did not recover. I believe he had some vision as things settled down. But he could see just fine. The lamp of his eye was bright until that morning and he was going blind. Now think, 
think about. If you are born with normal vision and you live your life with normal vision, you can see the clouds in the sky. You can see the blue behind the clouds. You can see the beautiful flowers blooming in the springtime and throughout the summer. You can see the beauty of a new layer of fallen snow on the ground. You can see the, the wonderful beauty of your children, your wife, your husband. You can see what your parents look like, your grandparents look like. You can see and talk to your co-workers on the job. And then suddenly, for some reason, you go totally blind. How dark that darkness would be. How intense that darkness would be to you. In verse 23 again, he makes the point, and it's not talking about physical sight and physical blindness primarily. Those are illustrations. Double vision is what he's really talking about from a spiritual perspective. Spiritual double vision, a compromise in commitment, a compromise in, in the dividing of loyalties is spiritual eye disease. When it's between God and the devil following one or the other, the lead of one or the other, Compromising is spiritual eye disease and it results in spiritual blindness. The, in the eye God gave you to see, if it is blind, then you are totally blind. And how intense that darkness must be. You know what you have lost. You are always able to see and see well. And now suddenly you can see nothing. What a reaction emotionally that would bring to our minds. The devil is behind spiritual blindness. We cannot walk harmoniously with God and the devil at the same time. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 beginning with verse 3, the apostle Paul wrote this. But even if our gospel is veiled, the gospel is the message of light to eternal life from God through Jesus Christ. If it is veiled, covered up, it is veiled to those who are perishing. God does not hide the gospel from anybody seeking its truth and its soul-saving message. It is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age, lowercase g, talking about Satan himself, has blinded to those who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them and the devil has been effective in blinding the spiritual sight of a whole lot of people in our world they don't see the truth they don't see their forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ they don't see the beauties of heaven, eternal life, they don't see really God. Now, I want to look at another scenario. But before we do, are you suffering spiritual double vision? Are you claiming to live by the light of God's word? But are you really groping around in the darkness of sin? 
and following the lead of the devil. As Christians, let's look at another application of spiritual double vision. In Romans 3 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul wrote, there is none righteous, no, not one. In and, of our, in and of ourselves, we cannot live righteous lives. We need to be forgiven through the blood of Christ shed on the cross. As North brought out a few moments ago, as we were ready and we were partaking of, of, the, of the Lord's Supper. The blood that he shed on the cross was for a purpose to cleanse us of the guilt of our sins as we're baptized into him, Acts 22 and verse 16. In verse 23, Paul goes on and he says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's why we need the Savior. That's why God sent his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, into this world. As we are baptized into him, as we become Christians, as we become adopted by God into his family, which is the church. And here the church is right here at Sunny Slope. We are supposed to be the light of the world. Jesus said so in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then in verses 15 and 16, he goes on and says, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. And then he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We are supposed to be the light of the world in that we are supposed to shine forth the light of Christianity, the light of godliness, the light of Christ as our Savior. We're supposed to be teaching his word to the people around us and helping them see the light and come into the light so that they can be forgiven of their sins and they can be saved and look forward to that wonderful eternal home in heaven. In Acts 26 and verse 18, look at some of these verses of scripture talking about how we're to be the light of the world, how we're to spread the light of Christianity everywhere all over the world to everybody. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. And again, Satan is the one who blinds people to the truth if they let him, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 15, Paul says that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. How important we need to understand these messages to be, these instructions of what God expects of us, our identity in this graphic way. In Psalm 119.105, the psalmist wrote, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We need to shine as spiritual lights and straighten the crooked paths that people are stumbling around through life over in sin. We need to help those who are living in darkness see the light of Christianity, forgiveness, salvation in Christ through the gospel message that Jesus brought from heaven.
you may be the only spiritual light that some people see. You may be the only spiritual light in their life. If you turn off your life, your light, through unfaithfulness, through lukewarmness, through weak dedication, dabbling in sinfulness on a regular basis, how dark will their darkness become? Your influence will be turned off. How dark will their darkness become? If you're the only spiritual life, the only spiritual light they see in their life, the only example of godliness of Christianity. 1 John chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. John the Apostle wrote, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, the darkness of sin in other words, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, the light of God's word, the light of Christianity, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. You were once darkness. Paul is writing this to members of the Lord's church, to Christians. He said, you were once darkness. You're outside of Christ. You were living in sin. But now you are the, our light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You are right now either light or darkness. Which reality is it in your life? Are people seeing the light of hope and forgiveness and eternal life through your example as to how you live every day? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The only two alternatives, the only two ultimate eternal destinations. What are people seeing in you? Are you being light in their life? Are you helping them come out of the darkness of sin and come to Jesus Christ? Tap into the power of God's throne. Turn on your Christian light and help somebody find their way out of the darkness of sin's condemnation. If you personally need to come out of the darkness of sin and into the light of Christianity, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith openly in Christ, and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of your sins, coming into the light that God sent Christ to bring to humanity, we encourage you to take that step this morning. If you need prayer to help you talk to God about putting away darkness into your life and, and coming to a better understanding of how he wants you to live your life as Christians, we want to pray with you and for you. If you'll let, let us know, step forward or talk to us privately. If you need to study God's word and get a better view, a fuller view of the light of its message, 
We'll help you with that if you'll just ask us. Turn on your light and help people see their way out of the darkness of sin's condemnation. Let us stand and sing.